Welcome to our exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets Update for Friday, December 18th. Each week, we check in with a leader across the firm to get a quick take on what they're watching in the markets. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Richard Ramsden, who runs our financials group in Goldman Sachs Research. Today, Richard will give us an update on the financial services industry and the market backdrop going into 2021. Richard, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me again. So you just held your annual financial services conference virtually this year. What was the tone from the leaders in the industry regarding the state of the recovery? I would say every bank feels much better about the world than they did in October. And I think the reason is simple, which is since most of these banks last spoke, which was early October, you now have the prospects of a successful vaccine being rolled out. And it's clear that that has changed their economic outlook, especially over the next 12 to 24 months. But I think in addition to that, these banks are looking at the activity that they can see across their platform in the fourth quarter. And there's a number of encouraging trends. So consumer spending is actually increasing. It's hard to believe, given where we were back in March and April, that consumer spending in aggregate is actually up modestly in December compared to where we were last year. Loans that were put into forbearance back in March or April have continued to decline. So these banks are feeling a lot better about the reserves that they have against their credit losses. And corporate confidence has also improved, especially because I think a lot of these corporates now are looking beyond the pandemic to a significant recovery in demand in the second half of the year. And I think they're starting to prepare for that. I think in addition, capital markets have continued to be wide open. Financing is broadly available, both equity financing and debt financing, even to companies that have been really impacted by the pandemic. And I think, again, that's just really helped in terms of the overall health of the corporate sector. And I think the tone the banks really came across as expressing during the conference just reflected that. So what does that improving outlook mean for their ability to return capital? Obviously, this year, a lot of banks were held back by regulators. Do you expect to see those capital returns ramp up and in what form, buybacks or dividends? So all of the banks talked about how keen they are to return capital to shareholders. And kind of just to give you a bit of the history here, you know, back in March, the banks all agreed to suspend share buybacks just because of the huge level of uncertainty and the fact that it wasn't clear at that point in time, you know, just how long this pandemic was going to last for and what the economic damage was going to be. They maintained dividends, but they were not allowed to increase dividends. This Friday, we're going to get the results of the second round of stress testing for the banks, which I think will really shine a light into how the Fed is thinking about the capital position of the banking industry. And I think there's a hope that after we get those results, that banks selectively will be able to increase capital returns. That said, I think it's still unlikely that you're going to see significant share buybacks in the first quarter. I think it's difficult for these banks to return significant amounts of capital while infection rates are obviously spiking and while there are selective shutdowns across the country. 
But the capital position in the banking industry continues to improve. There's a lot of excess capital in the industry. And that excess capital is growing as these banks actually now have to release reserves because, as I said, they're much more confident around what they think the ultimate losses are going to be. And in many cases, those losses, they think at this point in time, will be less than what they've actually reserved for. So when it comes to investment, has the pandemic shifted the way these institutions are thinking about their strategic priorities? Are they doubling down? Are they changing? Or are they just accelerating trends that were underway? So the one thing that was very clear in this conference is all this pandemic has really done from a strategic standpoint is accelerate everything that was in place pre-pandemic. So I think most of these banks would tell you we had previously thought we would be in a fully digitized world, especially for consumers in a decade from now. I think most of them will tell you we could get there as soon as five years. And I think what they've seen over the course of this pandemic is that there has been a significant shift towards digital adoption especially amongst consumers. So a couple of examples, the usage of cash and checks have declined 20% over the course of the last six months. And those payments have shifted towards things like Venmo and Zelle. 60% plus of all new loan originations today are done digitally. A few years ago, it used to be 30%. Branch traffic, even in branches that have reopened, has declined significantly because people are no longer going to branches for transactions. They're going to branches now because of complex transactions. They need a mortgage. They want to talk about retirement. They want to talk about wealth transfer to their children. But they're not going to a branch to check their account balance anymore. So you are seeing these banks accelerate the investment in digital. And at the same time, they are accelerating rationalization of things like their branch network. You know, and I think these success factors that existed in the banking industry pre-pandemic are still there, but they've just become far more important. And those success factors are having scale, having best-in-breed technology, having a national brand, having a broad product offering, and being the most efficient in terms of servicing your client base. And I think everyone recognizes that it's not a winner-takes-all market, but you are going to see consolidation in the banking system. And you know, in, say, five to 10 years, there's probably going to be three or four players that will have a 60 to 70% plus market share in this business. And of course, everyone wants to be amongst those three to four. Well, I, I know I haven't been to the ATM since March, uh, so <laughs> I'm probably part of that trend. What, uh, what are one or two of those trends that you expect to continue into 2021 and beyond? I think, look, I think what will happen, I think, this year is that the revenue backdrop for the banking industry is challenging. Lower interest rates, weaker loan demand, capital markets that probably won't be as exuberant as they were, especially in the first half of the year, will translate into a weaker revenue backdrop. I think the single biggest surprise, though, is I thought most banks would say, look, the revenue backdrop is weaker. As a result, we will moderate investment spending. That clearly was not the message from these banks. In fact, a number of banks, most notably JP Morgan, actually came out at our conference and said, we plan to spend more next year than we had initially telegraphed to you. I mean, JP Morgan increased their expense guidance at this conference by a billion dollars. And the reason, I think, is because they are accelerating a number of investment initiatives that they had because 
they do think we're going to get to this digital economy faster, and they want to get there faster as a result of that. So, you know, my big takeaway from this is there's just much greater confidence in terms of where we're going. There is much, much greater awareness about the importance of getting there first. And I think what we will see over the course of 2021 is that banks are going to really accelerate a whole range of investment initiatives, really driven just by the changes in consumer behavior that they saw over the course of the pandemic, which many of them think will stick post-pandemic. So to wrap it up, Richard, looking into 2021, what's another conversation you're having with clients that speaks to the current sentiment amongst financial institutions? Now, the sentiment's definitely improving. You know, I think you know, banks clearly are a cyclical sector. The extent to which that we get a V-shaped economic recovery next year, banks should be a major beneficiary of that. You know, you should see a pickup in loan growth in the second half of the year. A steeper yield curve really helps banks because they have a lot of liquidity from the deposit growth they've seen this year. The banks have seen a trillion dollars of deposit growth this year. Most of that money is sitting with the Fed. The extent to which that they can redeploy that liquidity either into loans or into securities at a higher yield is going to help the revenue backdrop. You've seen a significant improvement in pipelines for things like M&A backlogs, equity capital market and debt capital market backlogs. And you should see over a period of time an improvement in efficiency as digitization, I think, benefits consumers. But I also think it benefits the banking industry because it allows banks to take out a whole bunch of inefficient processes. So I think the optimism and enthusiasm around the banking sector is growing. And it is still one of the cheapest cyclical sectors. So there is definitely, I think, growing investor interest in the sector. All right, Richard. Well, thanks for joining us today. We'll talk next year and see how this has played out. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'll see you next year and hopefully it will be in person. All right. Well, that's all for this week's Markets Update on Exchanges Goldman Sachs. In case you missed it, check out our other podcast episode this week with Jeff Curry of Goldman Sachs Research on his outlook for a bull run for commodities in 2021. Thank you for listening and hope everyone has a great weekend. This podcast was recorded on December 15th in the year 2020. Thank you for listening. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.